Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, John Morant ends the chances of a Hornets win last night with his go-ahead layup. The guards played well, though. Terry Rozier, Malik Monk, and Devontae Graham all playing a pretty good game with Devontae Graham's first start. We'll talk about all of that today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, plus this. Oh, my God, Graham with a three! You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It was a heartbreaker last night. I know we're not usually measuring the success of this team in wins and losses. I know, Doug, that you've talked about the Pelicans game was probably one that the Hornets should have won. This was probably a game the Hornets should have. Fa- if, if you're going to favor the Hornets in any of these games, the Grizzlies game last night was certainly one you could have favored them in. And then John Moran happened. And then Jonas Valanciunas happened. You even got some nice buckets from Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark off the bench, Dylan Brooks hit a few threes. All those guys shot very well from the field. In fact, the defense was pretty non-existent for the Charlotte Hornets, and they end up dropping this one 119 to 117 because of John Morant at the very end of this game. Seven tenths of a second left to go. John Morant hits a shot, a contortionist in between about three Hornets defenders getting that layup through. I don't know how. And he's incredible. Grizzlies have a nice core and the Hornets drop this one. Doug, what did you think about this game? It was a lot of fun, I think, to watch. Yeah, incredibly fun to watch because of how intense this game was. I mean, it was clear that both teams really wanted to win this basketball game. The Hornets were only favored by two and a half points, I believe, by Vegas. So essentially, it was it was anyone's game. It's not like the Hornets went in favored by double digits or anything like that and lost the game. And listen, the Hornets got the very best of this Memphis Grizzlies team. I mean, essentially, everyone but Jay Crowder uh, really had a good game. Jaron Jackson, you mentioned him. He hit a crazy uh, sidestep, leaner, three-point shot like he's just I mean look he's he's definitely coming on as the season continues but I mean they hit some ridiculous shots and then listen John Morant is a future star in this league if he avoids injuries and the Grizzlies are doing everything they can to keep him healthy and he was fantastic I don't know how he snuck his arm in there I mean there, there was some contact on that last play I'm glad the referee swallowed the whistle at least gave the Hornets a chance to defend that and, and there were, it seemed like after the game, JB mentioned there was some confusion on that play. He tried to call the double team, but he said yeah. that he couldn't get it in in the heat of battle. Don't really know what that means, but they didn't get the double. They did the switch. I thought, you know, other than not double teaming, they defended it pretty well, uh, but the shot goes in. Devontae Graham hit an amazing shot to even keep them in the game. But it was just a crazy, fun game. Uh, and, and I don't care. Listen, if this season's not about wins and losses, then I'm ending the game on my terms. And I'm ending the, I'm ending the game when Devontae Graham hit that crazy uh, shot after the ball fake and tied it up. This <laughs> so game is a it, tie for me. It's a tie game? Yep, that's fine with me. I'm completely fine with that. Malik Monk hit that layup to put them within three, and then Devontae hits that shot. And then it was John Morant, as we mentioned. John Morant looks crazy good, man. Like He looked so good last night. Special and the Hornets player. don't have a John Morant. That's the thing. No, they, they got don't. beat by the Pelicans because the Hornets don't have a Brandon Ingram. The closest thing that they have to that it, it has been Devontae Graham. Uh, Terry Rozier was that through three and a half quarters. And then I thought Rozier 
may have been forcing things at the very end of the game. Tough to blame him at all on a night where he sets he ties a career high, 33 points. He hit seven three-point shots. He was incredibly efficient. But I thought near the end, it, it probably was his right to force things because he was so good offensively. He probably had the right to try to go and win that ball game. Uh, but he, he made a couple of bad decisions late that I thought really hurt the Hornets' ability to get back into the game in, in a sustainable way. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Doug, let's talk about the guards in this game because that's the that's the, what I left with the biggest takeaways with all yeah. three of these guards, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, and Malik Monk. I think you go down the list as far as the players go. That's Those are the players that I want to talk about more so than anything. Let's talk about Terry. Terry had his best game as a Charlotte Hornet. He was 13 of 21 from the field, 7 of 12 from three-point range. 33 points, that matches a career high for him. It is a career high as far as his career with the Hornets. He did get 33 one other time with Boston. I thought that a lot of his success was because of him playing off the ball. We've seen Terry Rozier play better when Devontae Graham is the primary ball handler. Terry Rozier is coming off screens. You saw him make a lot of his three-pointers last night off of catch and shoot. Terry Rozier is someone that probably is better served with another ball handler where he can play off the ball a little bit more. And I think you saw that work really well last night. I think we were confused early on because maybe the team was confused a little bit early on because you had, you know, technically it was a trade to bring Rozier in and you lose Kemba. So everybody just thinks, okay, Terry is, is the point guard now. Um, but he said, look, he's played off ball in high school. He played off ball in college. This is not new for him. And certainly he enjoyed coming off those screens and shooting in rhythm. And, you know, without, and I was surprised that he hit open three-point shots because he hasn't done that well this season. But maybe mm-hmm. getting him in motion off the ball allows him to do that uh, in, in a way that feels better for him. But they were running floppy action for him, bringing him under, from underneath the basket up to the wing. And it just, it worked. Uh, and, and I hope, I mean, I, I knew this was going to happen. I felt like if you put Devontae Graham in there at point guard and let him handle most of the ball handling responsibilities, it was going to open up things for Terry. And I think it did. Well, I think a lot of people wanted Devontae and Terry to go out there and play together the way that Devontae had played. I think it was time to see him play in the starting lineup alongside Terry Rozier. The numbers clearly stated that those two guys on the court at the same time played well together. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this help three weeks ago. Rick Bennell comes on and says, guys, I think people are thinking about this as an either or Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham. And I think people need to be thinking about them as possibly both being on the court at the same time. It feels like in it, it feels like we had seen this coming and Borrego, he goes to it last night. Now, what was interesting about this is he sits Devontae pretty early in exchange for Malik Monk. Monk comes in this game very early. What was it about the seven minute mark that Malik Monk comes into this game and relieves Devontae Graham? And how about Malik Monk serving also as a primary ball handler? Terry Rozier doing some work off ball once again. Malik Monk gets five assists in this game. He also has eight rebounds, which was impressive to see, and 20 points overall. Did hit one three-pointer, but again, Doug, we see him continuing to drive towards the basket, be able to hit a couple of guys off of that drive. I thought he was very good passing last night. You saw him finish at the rim just like he had been in the few attempts that he had been taking at the rim so far this season, but he hit him last night. I I like all of the combinations of the backcourt 
um, except when Terry Rozier is the primary ball handler. Like I want him to be off ball with either one of the guys that they throw in there with him in the backcourt. Yeah, Monk got the green light, right? Because he was the sixth man in this rotation with Dwayne Bacon out with the right knee soreness. Graham moves up to the starting lineup. And so Monk feels the obligation to provide the scoring punch that normally you'd get, you would get from Devontae Graham. And he did a fantastic job. Uh, he's a certified problem in the open floor. Uh, there, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of defenders that are going to be able to keep up with his speed, and he's he's pairing that with an ability to finish at the rim and finish hard. I mean, he had a thunderous dunk yeah. on, on an alley-oop in the second quarter. Yeah, he's a Fans- problem either with the ball in his yeah. hands in the open court or on the side or leaking out for an alley-oop. Like, it doesn't matter if he's in the open court either with the ball or looking for the ball. He's a huge problem. And this was a great matchup for him, too, because they kept putting Kyle Anderson on him. Maybe they didn't have any other choice. I had to look at that that rotation for the Grizzlies on their bench. I think their bench has been a problem for them, especially on the defensive end this season. So uh, Kyle Anderson just, <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's almost unfair because he doesn't have the quickness to stay with Monk, and well, Monk knew it, and he took advantage. Well, he comes in early. I mean, how how long did he play against the starters when he came in at that yeah. seven minute mark or so? I mean, and I was- and I thought I thought Devonte kind of had a mixed start, and, and maybe that had to do with the fact that Bacon was a late scratch, so it wasn't like Devonte had a, a ton of time to get ready to start. But he seemed a little a little shaky. At four turnovers, he missed a few uh, at the rim that he would normally drop. Um, but, you know, I thought he made up for it. He did get a few good assists and had eight points by the end of the first half. He did contribute. But on the the defensive end, I mean, that's where Devontae really struggled, uh, at, at least early. We've seen some improvements from him defensively, but when you have a 6-2 uh, guard in Rozier and then 6-1 in Devontae Graham, teams are going to know that and they're going to attack it. That's what Memphis did with Dylan Brooks. I mean, they just went after Devontae Graham on the defensive end and it worked, and I think that may have been, although Monk's not that much bigger, um, but they, they did get Graham out of there early. Dylan Brooks hit a few threes last night, as you mentioned his name. I mean, the, the Grizzlies hit a few threes in this one. They shot 48% from three-point range. Hornets just didn't guard the three-point line very well last night. Like there were a co- You mentioned the Jaron Jackson shot. That was just a nice move. There were a couple of those, but they, they didn't defend the three-pointer well last night at all. Well, part of that is bad defense but also part of that was schematically especially in the first half because the Hornets were getting blitzed inside guarding man to man like the the Grizzlies were up 18 uh, paints points in the paint to the Hornets two and so the Hornets made a decision to go to 3-2 defense they threw some junk defenses out there they went 3-2 in the first quarter and then went 2-3 in the second quarter and, and basically they were daring the, the Grizzlies to shoot threes because they haven't done that well this season. It was a good bet. It's just unfortunately the Grizzlies knocked them down and they knocked down a couple of tough threes as well. So it's kind of one of those things. You're, you you got you to gotta take away one thing. The Hornets decided to take away the paint. It actually worked. Unfortunately, the Grizzlies uh, were just feeling it from outside going to be really tough for the Hornets to go zone at all this year because especially against teams that have some size and the Grizzlies they had some rebounders like if you would do it against a Brandon Clark a great rebounder Jonas Valanciunas who was a bigger guy and Jaron Jackson certainly a taller guy it's going to be really tough for them to play zone because when you go two three it's it's it already takes the rebounding uh, it already makes rebounding harder when you go to a zone defense. And this is a team that can't afford 
to make that a bigger weakness than what it already is. And when that happened, when they went to that zone, they allowed a couple of rebounds to the Grizzlies, and then all of a sudden they have to get out of it again. And that's just going to be really tough for a smaller team like the Hornets where we're contemplating playing P.J. Washington at small ball five. You know, you've got Cody Zeller, who had been rebounding the ball extremely well at the beginning of the season. It's tailed off certainly here in the last few games, but it's just going to be really tough for the Hornets to play zone this this year, um, especially with points in the paint and rebounding going to be a a big problem for them in 2019-2020. More on the Grizzlies game next. Also have a couple of voicemails. Got a lot of voicemails to get to. We'll get to Dwayne's voicemail in the second segment coming up, and then we've got Daniel in the third segment calling again. We appreciate his activity on our line, and we also have a callback from Rosario. I'm extremely excited. She's mad. She's not she's happy. She's stressed out. She's she's really not happy. I want to get to Rosario's phone call in the third segment. So stick around with us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. But first, you know what my favorite part about this time of year is? It's sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season. But for the rest of us, it's ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off. And there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay for instance if you like a couple of the big favorites this week parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout either way if you're going to bet this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win and if you join right now mybookie will double your first deposit and you can put in a hundred bucks they'll give you a hundred bucks it is that simple use promo code locked on nba to activate the offer that's promo code locked on nba all one word no spaces to double your cash Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. More on the Grizzlies game from last night, as well as getting to a voicemail. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so to God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We've been implementing these voicemails. They've been a lot of fun. Only a couple of you have started to call in, but the numbers have grown a little bit. We've got some surprise calls. Those have been fun. Uh, If you want to call in, it seems like the people that do call in, they'll call in multiple times. It is a drug. It is highly addictive. So it is a lot of fun. I... I absolutely am an advocate for you to get addicted to this new drug that we have. Call in to our voicemail, patreon.com slash LOH. You pay just a dollar or three dollars, I believe, to be a part of the voicemail and to be able to uh, to, to do that. So please feel free to do so. And um, yeah, we've got a couple more. Let's get to Dwayne's voicemail right now, Doug. Is that correct? We got Dwayne that called in yesterday. Do the message. After the beat. Hey, Dwayne from Greensboro calling, and I'm wondering if you guys, thinking like I was thinking, that the ref had an engagement tonight that needs to get to rather quickly and wanted to get through the game. I was about 10 rows behind the Hornets basket uh, in the second half, and there was at least two un- ridiculous no calls, one on Monk and one on Bridges, that really changed the momentum 
and could have got us out of the slump when we couldn't score. I know we were able to fight back, but I think those uh, no calls were were a huge factor in the game. Yeah, thanks for the phone call, Dwayne. Really appreciate your support of the show. I, I the Miles Bridges one is the one that stands out to me, where he just gets hacked and there was a no call on Miles Bridges, and that's the one where I thought, yeah, that that was an easy call there because I was talking about it with Bobby on the wake up call today, and he thought maybe even John Morant got away with a little push at the end of this game. Maybe not enough to call, but especially when you put it on the last compared shot. to Miles Bridges no call. You know, there, yeah, on the last shot. Maybe that's what he was yeah. discussing. But uh, I just I know that think. he was they're, bringing they're, up. They're, they're rarely going to call that. No, no 100%, 100%. But then I guess when you were comparing it to the Miles Bridges no call, I think that's what made him at least feel the need to bring it up. What did you think of the no calls there? Yeah, the Bridges one was ridiculous. I mean, Monk, you know, that's kind of a toss-up if they want to call that. Monk was being really aggressive going to the rim, and so... You know, I thought he got a few calls in the game as well. Bridges, yes. I was watching the Memphis broadcast because I'm I'm in Nashville now, so I was forced to watch the Memphis broadcast. And they even went to the replay and was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> the fans have a point here. I mean, that should have been – they should have called something there. And, you know, they were able to get back in the game, though. And there was also a call uh, – Cody Zeller fouled – I don't know if it was Morant or Brooks. It was a guard of uh, of some sort – and um, he came, and uh, Zeller came over the top and really whacked him on the head. I think it was Brooks, and they didn't call, they didn't even look at it to see if it was flagrant. So, I mean, I, I didn't love the officiating in this game, but I felt like it was generally pretty even. And you know, I, I think the Hornets. There were a lot of reasons the Hornets lost that game. I, I don't know that the officiating is something that I would put in the in the top three. I mean, they because they they got a lead in the third quarter. They had a nice little stretch beginning at about the nine-minute mark where uh, they were able to turn things around and get a 12-point lead, and then they just gave it all away at the end of that third quarter. I mean, I thought that was, to me, the the key quarter was the third quarter, even though they gave up 30 points in the second quarter. Like, defensively, you'd like to see them do a little better job than that, but uh, I, I thought giving up that lead in the third quarter really you could look at that and say that that really cost them the game. Well, it was a 26 to five run. The Grizzlies went on <laughs> when they relinquished that lead and allowed the Grizzlies to get one of their own. And that's a ridiculous run. Yeah. And that's, that's a situation where they weren't running zone anymore. They were going man to man fully and Guterich just comes off the bench. And, and I think he had 11 <laughs> points in the third quarter and a lot of it was in transition. They started, so they, they turned the ball over early. It allowed the Memphis Grizzlies in the first quarter to get off to a nine Oh start. And you saw the same old Hornets turning the basketball over. They clamped that down a little bit, but then at the end of the third quarter, it got sloppy again. Bad shot selection, bad turnovers that led to Guterich getting two threes on transition plays where you know, this is just not a good team at, at defending the transition. One particularly egregious mistake was by P.J. Washington, who went for a steal, and it just set him so far back. He had no chance to recover, and everybody was scrambling. Cody Martin didn't see Guterich and and was trying to keep Dylan Brooks or no it was Brandon Clark trying to keep Brandon Clark away from the rim so it's just little mistakes like that that allowed the Grizzlies to get back into this game uh you know Grizzlies, just unfortunate because I, I think they could have won yeah. by double digits if they had kept that lead Grizzlies shot only nine free throw attempts in this game compared to the Hornets 19 and usually <laughs> you look at that you know that's that's a little telling to what the refs were maybe not favoring but 
who certainly got the calls. And then you look at a guy like you, you can't blame it on, well, they weren't aggressive and they weren't driving to the basket because, hello, you have John they Morant. Were who consistently is driving to the basket and they only well, he got wasn't getting he wasn't time. getting foul calls cuz he was just getting by defenders. Yeah, like defenders right. didn't well, even have a true. chance to foul him cuz <laughs> he was just I mean he's looked he's just, he's fantastic. He is going to be a problem no, is, for man. for many years. Can I get to my play of the game? I got a play of the game for I would you. love to get to your play of the uh, Can this be a thing? I, I hope that you have a play of the game every single show. I mean, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. that. I'll be the that producer here. That seems like a lot of work. I'm usually averse to doing that kind of work. If I do see something, I do want to talk about it. And there was a particular play in the third quarter. It actually jump-started the Hornets' run that would give them a 12-point lead in this game. And it happened at about the 8.55 mark. This ended up being a Graham uh, three-point shot. I'm going to roll it here so I can kind of call it as it happens. Graham gives it off to Zeller. Zeller hands off to Rozier. And then nice little cut by Miles Bridges to the basket, but it was a decoy cut as you saw Devonte Graham flare up to the to the wing uh, three, and uh, it, it it confused Crowder who kind of took one step in to guard the Bridges cut, and that opened up things for Devonte Graham and Rozier delivering him the clean pass. To me, the reason why this is the play of the game for me, because it only like it put the Hornets up by one at this point in the game, so it, did, it wasn't really a, a game changer. But to me, this illustrates exactly why playing Rozier and Graham together works. We know it works. It's worked this season. But why I think you have to play Graham early to get a good start in these games because – you know, Rozier demands attention, Bridges demands attention when he's cutting, and then Graham can get the ball and put it down. And I just love this play. Your call was fine at the beginning. I would like a little bit more emotion. You did a good job describing what was going on, but I'm used to Eric Collins, man. Like, I want a little bit more emotion next time you. Oh bring that my up. God, Graham go. with a three! <laughs> We've got a couple voicemails coming up next from Daniel and Rosario. Stick around. You won't want to miss it. It's on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillain. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Getting to the voicemails now, we do appreciate Dwayne for calling in and asking if the refs had uh, engagement to get to, wanted the game to end early because of some of the no calls that the Hornets did not have, I guess, at the end of this game. John Morant ending that game, of course, with a game-winning layup. Just incredible, but also maybe getting some help with no Miles Bridges foul, no foul against Miles Bridges, I should say, or called on him. Um, and so it, it led to the Grizzlies being able to score. Daniel, we'll get to his voicemail now, and then Rosario at the end of this one. What, uh, what did uh, Daniel have to call in with? Leave a message. Leave a message. Hey guys, this is Daniel. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to Bill Simmons' podcast today, but there is a discussion between he and Kevin O'Connor uh, about the Hornets in general and how they have been uh, surprising and fun to watch. But uh, there was a comment about Malik Monk in which Bill Simmons said that he's the kind of player that uh, another team should be looking to target just to see if he can um, perform better in their system than he has in ours. And that got me thinking, is there a player out there, a younger player on another team, you think would be worth us trading for and, you know, under the right circumstances that would uh, 
potentially work well in our system. Thanks, guys. Great question. Great question. question. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what about you, Doug? Do you have anybody at the top of your head? Uh, well, you, so this is interesting because I, I posed this question to you and then asked if you thought you knew who I was going to mm. select. And, and, you and feel I do pretty, think I know. You feel pretty confident that you, you know who I'm going to select. Well, you go ahead and tell me. Who do you think I'm going to select? I think old Dougie Buckets would like to go after possibly a Frankie Smokes in this situation. I think Frank, Frank Nilakina. I think that is I think that would be your answer. I feel like you've talked about him glowingly in the past. I think that would be your answer. Uh Frank said, I mean, he's had a rough go of it to start. I thought I talked glowingly of him when it was draft time and then it just hasn't really panned out for him and you know, he's stuck in the nuclear wasteland of the New York Knicks. So no Frankie Smokes is what you're telling me? No, it wasn't Frankie Smokes. I actually but I was thinking of someone again that I gave my draft rose to, someone that I was really high on around draft time and he also struggled and, it, and it's for that reason I think that the Denver Nuggets have decided not to uh, give him an extension and let him test restricted free agency. And that's Malik Beasley. So a little Malik for Malik action. What do you think about that? In his fourth season, he's only owed, I believe, 1.7 or around $2 million. And, I mean, I, I think you could uh, make that just one-for-one one swap if they wanted to because well, Denver Denver needs an offensive punch and the Hornets need size at the guard position. Yeah, I, I think they like Malik Beasley. Am I, am I mistaken about that? He played 23 minutes a game last year, and I think he was a big part of what they did. Shot 40% from three, shooting 40% from three this year. I just, does this qualify? Like, because I think they, they really like, uh, maybe not enough to give him an offer, but. I, I mean, he's on, so far, he's only averaging 16 minutes a game. Uh, he's not serving the same role that he did, I don't think, last season. Yeah, I mean, his, his three-point percentage is at about 41%. You like that. Uh, but they they didn't extend them. So I mean, th- and I think there's some there was some articles that I was looking at that people are starting to ask the question: Do you use Malik Be- Beasley as possible trade bait at this point? Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, if the Hornets would be able to get anything back with Beasley for Monk, but I think Monk would give them a little bit of of what they need off the bench, which is an attacking guard who can score at the rim so, and somebody who can light it up. If if Malik Monk continues to put these performances together, I think he's going to start to be attractive to some teams like Denver who are, they're not playing well offensively right now. No, Malik Beasley, I mean, hell, that would be awesome. I, I don't know if I'm trading. I mean, look, it, he said the right circumstances, right? Like, you know, I believe in Malik Monk and I certainly have after what he's shown us a little bit this year and improving, but Malik Beasley has been, I I would be happy with Malik Beasley on this team. I absolutely would go after him. So the guy, I I'm surprised that I came to this answer, but here I am. Um, I think you're just stunned by how good my answer is. Well, you're just, you're just taken aback. You can't even, you can't even breathe right now. I think it's so good it doesn't qualify. I think that's what I'm shocked by. I think Malik Beasley is absolutely someone I would love. How about DJ Wilson, Doug, for the Milwaukee Bucks? So if you look at what the Hornets would need, the Hornets have a ton of guys at the wing position right now. We know about some of their guys that are handling the ball with Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and Malik Monk to a certain degree. Um, even Cody Martin, they've talked about wanting to maybe, you know, maybe not play point guard, but certainly have some ball handling duties. We know that Cody Zeller is someone that at the five is good. And then it drops off to such a huge degree. DJ Wilson at six ten, 
can shoot the three pretty well. You look at what he did last season. Uh, he was shooting, I believe. Well, you look at just basically the minutes that he was getting um, this season. He, he's just not getting many. He's only played in four games so far. You look last year, I think he played in something like 48 games altogether. Did not play in the postseason all that much. Mike Budenholzer said, DJ had a really nice stretch for us last season. We really like what he's doing, but he's just not getting any playing time. He shot 36% from three, 41% from the field. So that's not great, but does shoot it pretty well. Only six points per game last season. Also, I think defensively has some kind of ability to be able to defend on the perimeter as well as maybe inside. Like give me DJ Wilson. Let's get a shot at him as a bigger guy that is only, you got 18 minutes last season, but like I said, isn't playing that much now. I just think it fills a position of need as well as you do have some upside that the Bucks just aren't utilizing right now. Yeah, a couple things. I mean, I like that. A couple things. Um, I think we're thinking about this in the wrong terms. I think if the Hornets end up trading Malik Monk, they're going to be trading to try to bring some assets back and not in the form of players, but maybe picks. If they trade anyone this season, I hope they would bring in future assets and not really worry about uh, getting talent for the future. But I, I like that name, DJ Wilson. That's a fine name. Uh, one other reason, though, that Denver would possibly give up Malik Beasley is because Beasley might demand a, a big money in restricted free agency because he has played so well. Malik, Malik, well, so, but that's the thing, though. Malik Monk is, they've already extended Monk. So you can, you can take that contract and then get a good offensive player that you can hang on to for another year and not have to worry about dealing with that kind of kind of money coming back, and then you get something out of it. So I, there's some incentive there for Denver to do that deal. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. Rosario called back, and she's angry. Let's hear what she had to say. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey, Nick, this is Rosario Terra 919. I really need your help with this application that we submitted for Christopher. I need to submit the illustration right now because if they will close the case, if I'm not going to be able to submit it today. I already called you like three times already, emailed you two times, same old thing with uh, Kevin Hanley. Unfortunately, I, Kevin Hanley's name was not in the application. He was supposed to have a 50-50 for this, but I can fix that after the application or after the uh, application is approved. Can you please give me a call and get a chance or email me the illustration? This is really very important. Uh, this is really um, stressing me out. Thanks. Bye. Listen, I don't know who this, I don't know who this Kevin is. I don't know who this Kevin is. Uh, this Kevin name is just out of the blue. All of a sudden, we were talking about Christopher. Now we're talking about Kevin. Uh, 50-50. I don't like those numbers. Let's make it 70-30, my way, no Kevin. Let's get, Actually, let's eliminate Kevin. Let's go 100-0, no Kevin. Don't worry about Kevin. And let's focus on Chris. And uh, listen, I'm a busy guy. I know you've called. I know you've emailed, but I'm a busy guy. Sorry. Doug, we got to call her back. I mean... It's getting too bad at this point. The fact that she called back and said that she's really stressed out. I mean, like, I feel really bad now. She's calling consistently, wanting this guy to call her back. She needs to get these forms in. She's got a week's time now. Like, <laughs> I feel so bad for Rosario at this moment. I think Christopher needs to call her back, not us. How is this our responsibility? Because I don't think I've ever called anyone number. back. I don't think I've ever called anyone back that has called me from a wrong number. That's a that's a recipe for to getting your name on some kind of dark net list 
out there. No way. But if but if we let her know that she's calling the wrong number and then maybe she could look for a different number on file or look for something that could possibly be the right number. I feel like that's what we need to do. And I feel bad about this now. At first it was a joke and now it's pulling out. It's 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 making me feel bad. No, I'm not. Listen, uh, you got a soft heart. I understand. If you want to call her back, uh, I will. I will give you the number. You can call her back and let her know. Eighty twenty, my way. <laughs> yes. I, now we'll that do a deal. Now that you make me do it, now I don't really want to do it. I kind of want you to do it. This that's that is the whole point. She's calling you. I guess she's calling our Google voicemail. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'll do it. I feel bad enough that I think I am probably going to do it because I feel so bad for Rosario. I don't want her to feel stressed out anymore. All right, thanks so much. I don't know. 70-30. I'll go as low as 70-30. Forget Kevin. You're in the deal now. It's Walker, Doug, 70-30. My way. You're an honest man. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. You can follow myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. More Hornets talk tomorrow on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs>